called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next hour. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course. But this is for the children. I got this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all of fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think your cousin can with me? You really do? Anybody on your one? What up, what up? Justin Hicks is back. The Hip Hop Sports Report podcast is back. Mark Hicks is back for another edition of the Mark Draft. Of course, it couldn't be draft season without my main man, Mark Hicks, stepping in once again to give us that draft content that we crave so desperately this time of year. We do the NFL draft, we do the NBA draft, and it's just a special time. I I love watching the drafts, Mark, the NFL and NBA drafts, because I I always say you'll never see more happy black people in one place, in one gathering at the same time. (laughs) And so I love watching the draft because you just see families bursting into tears. You know, generational wealth is getting created. Lives are about to change. And, you know, all that stuff really speaks to me. So, uh, but the draft ain't the draft without the Mark draft ahead of time. So how you feeling, man? How are we going to do this tonight? Uh, I'm great, man. Let's go ahead and get it started. I will say this, though, that, the, um, uh, the, you know, like you said, the draft, it's, I love the draft because of how it just affects the dynamic of the of the family and and you know just all the blood sweat and tears that these uh, young athletes put in to get to this point. I mean, I think it's really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, this is like it's a great time of year for me as a sports fan. It's it's almost like Christmas for me, so I enjoy more than just about anybody. So let's go ahead and get with it. Yeah, let's get it popping. And for me, as someone who played basketball and football as a as a youngster. Uh, I felt like I, I put in a fair amount of effort into those things and it got me nowhere. And so I can't even imagine, I cannot even wrap my head around the amount of time and energy and just investment, personal investment that these athletes are making into their craft to get to this point on top of hitting the genetic lottery or whatever. But that's, that's beside the point. Um, exactly. yep. So hope you had a great father's day, Mark. I had a terrific father's day. Uh, I'm all settled into Chicago, but I'm recording this one from, the great city of Cleveland, Ohio, this edition of the Mark Draft on June 20th, 2023. Uh, let's start at the top, man. Of course, like we always do, we're going to go through the entire draft lottery. Mark's going to tell us what each general manager ought to do with their lottery pick, who they're going to pick. Should they pick somebody everybody's expecting, not expecting? Should they trade the pick? Whatever. It's just what he would do if you were running each team. The San Antonio Spurs are on the clock, although they're not really on the clock because we already know who they're taking. <laughs> So it's kind of a moot point. Um, let me just, I guess, I know you're going to say they should draft Victor Wembanyama. I think everybody under God's green, on God's green earth and under the sun is of the belief that Victor Wembanyama should be the pick by San Antonio. San Antonio basically threw away two whole seasons to get this guy, and it panned out for them. What, what kind of prospect do you think big Vic is uh, I mean are you seeing him let me just add, matter of fact let me ask you another way Victor Wembanyama is the best NBA prospect since fill in the blank I'm going to say best prospect since Kevin Durant mm. 
He didn't even go number he, uh, one. And the reason, no, and it, and this is the crazy part for me. Um, the reason why I said Kevin Durant is because Kevin Durant is actually started has started this whole unicorn uh, situation in the NBA where you have basically seven foot guys up there dribbling with, uh, with handles like a guard and shooting it from the outside and doing things that seven footers are not supposed to do and are, are, are extremely athletic and not necessarily have to be placed in in the pivot and in today's NBA with positionless basketball uh, a guy like Victor Wimbiam but actually fits the mold of the of the new style or new age of the NBA so I'm 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 going to go out and say uh, 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 Kevin Durant because you know he fought he falls in with those lines like him and like man not necessarily to a lesser uh, to a much lesser degree like an Evan Mobley you know these these seven foot guys who have all these particular skills that you don't see from from and that type of athleticism from big men so that that's that's who I would compare him to at least from uh, from a, a best prospect standpoint. It is interesting that San Antonio landed David Robinson back in like 1988, 87, something like that. Ten years after that, they landed Tim Duncan, and it's taken them 25 years, but now they've landed another big man who might set the franchise up for success for a decade plus more to come in the future. I do find it funny, though. I kind of take offense to it almost when people kind of flippantly point out that, oh, well, he's going to a great team Victor Wembanyama or he's going to a great organization like this organization is gonna you know they're gonna they know what to do with him like they'll it'll be good you know what I mean like they make comments like that me it's kind of like I mean don't get me wrong this I'm not saying that the San Antonio Spurs are not a great organization but what I am saying is that they are a great organization because they landed David Robinson in the draft and because they landed Tim Duncan in the draft it's like they drafted super talented super unique mature guys at the top of the draft who just so happen to be some of the greatest players the league has ever seen and their careers even overlapped between Robinson and Duncan it's and so right. they make the organization what it is almost like the the Spurs are compared to the Patriots all the time everybody yep. talks about the Patriot way the culture Bill Belichick built I'm not saying he didn't do those things but when Tom Brady left what happened to the culture I don't yeah, know, but the, so the winning the winning part of that culture stopped. I know that much. They stopped winning Same football thing games. Same here and with the Spurs. Exactly. Too, so, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, it's it, like, you know, it, they're it a great... Like, they go right. So it's like, yeah, are they going to mess up, quote-unquote, Wembanyama? Probably not. But if they don't mess him up, it'll be more because Wembanyama isn't to be messed up. <laughs> if that <Correct>. makes sense. <laughs> when you, yeah, when you see, I get you. <laughs> yeah, when you see highlights of him, man, I mean, this dude is seven foot four at 20 years old and he's shoots threes, step back threes. He blocks everything at the rim. Cause he's got an eight foot wingspan mark eight Ridiculous. feet. Like, like that type of reach it in the Cover NBA. A lot of ground with an eight foot reach. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they, they say the, the, the they say that defensively one Banyama has the capacity to cover the protect the rim and defend the three point line at the same time. <laughs> like just to wrap your head around that conceptually like again you're talking about these unicorns like granted they're not at the same level but like Durant was like maybe one of the first and then you had a guy like Chris Stapps Porzingis for example who right. 
is you know not nearly the player Kevin Durant is, but again, we're talking about a seven foot two dude that was hitting threes and moving around on the court, running the break, you know, finishing at the rim. We saw him. Laurie Markkinen, yeah, even Laurie Markkinen on on a certain to a certain degree is, is of the same cut cut in the same build, you know, or in the same mold, I should say. Wembyana has inside game, he has outside game. Barring injury, do you, is there any way that you don't see this dude flourishing in the league? It's the only way that's, that that uh, he will not reach his full potential is, is injury, and, and he has room to to bulk up. He's He's slightly over like two. He listed at the combine, I think, that, or wherever he just last listed was at two hundred nine pounds, at basically seven foot three or four. So, yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to build muscle. Uh, the, the only the only thing that scares me about him is the, is the fact that if he gets in if he gets injury prone, it can really derail his career. But I, I honestly I don't see that happening. He's he's too fluid of an athlete. I could see if he was lumbersome and he you know just. You know, uh, like like a Ruth Gobert, for example, just clogged just the middle, and he overly athletic and things like that. I, I, if, if he were to uh, get injured and constantly hurt himself, I could see him having you know these nagging injuries. I don't foresee that with this kid, and I think he uh, he has a chance to really be something special. So I'm rooting for him. I, I think he has the the potential to to really be a, a very good player in this league. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's a likable team that they've put together in San Antonio. At least for me, I can't speak for everybody, but right, it, you know, they're going to get Big Vic in here, and he's going to be the head honcho. Um, there's been speculation that maybe this could be a landing spot for Chris Paul, which we'll talk about his trade a little bit later on. Um, yeah, but there's there's speculation that hey, man, you you put Chris Paul on this team with Popovich. You 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 get them and you you get Big Vic and Chris Paul score. How many big men have we seen Chris Paul make look brilliant? Like we, DeAndre Jordan was all NBA. I was just about to say DeAndre because of, Jordan because of Chris Paul. Like right. DeAndre Jordan was nothing before Chris Paul. He was nothing after Chris Paul. And in the Chris Paul years, he was making all NBA. Chris Paul has a knack for making big men look really good as long as they, you know, rim run, roll hard to the cup. They can catch and finish, and. Wembenyama's game is so much more than that, but just as a baseline coming into the league as a rookie, that's a good place to start. I'm not saying Chris is going to go there. In fact, if I were him, I would not go there, but I'm just saying that as a destination, you get a veteran guard on this Spurs team. This team might make the play in or the playoffs this year. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, Bates Diop is on his team. Uh, He went to Ohio state. Uh, He's actually from where I used to live, Norman, Illinois. He actually went to high school there. So there's a wow. connection there for me personally. Then you have Malachi Branham, another Buckeye. Yep. Right. And then of course my main man Devin Vassell. How many? Years <laughs> ago, you knew I was coming around to this. How many years? Yeah, ago I was waiting for you to say him. <laughs> how many years ago did we sit here on the mark draft and we talk about Devin Vassell? It was the Cavs draft. They had the fifth pick, I believe. I said if I were the Cavs, I would try to trade back and later to later in the lottery and then pick Devin Vassell. Instead, in real life, the Cavs stayed pat, and they took Isaac Okoro. Okoro. Needless to say, Devin Vassell is far better than Isaac Okoro today, in my opinion. And that is a mistake made by Cavaliers' ownership. Not ownership, but management. And Devin Vassell is one of the most underrated players in the NBA, I believe, right now. Uh, I agree. Got a lot of talent. Um, And, you know, I didn't even get into just the Jeremy Sohan and, and, and... they even have some really, Johnson, they have some building blocks. They do. They really do. They do. 
So yeah, I mean, it just needed somebody like uh, Vic, like Big Vic, to to really bring everything together and just and make that a team. Like you said, the the biggest glaring weakness after they draft after they draft Vic is a is a veteran point guard to put to just put the finishing touches on all of this. I think someone who can run Pop's offense and and just really be a mentor to these kids. I think I think it will just prove wonders because they're talented. There's talent all over the over, all over that. It's just a matter of finding that right leader that's going to take that group and 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 uh, bring them to the next level. So it'll be also it'll be interesting to see a rejuvenated Greg Popovich because let's be honest, I mean he he seemed like he phoned it in the last couple of years, and and who could blame him? I mean they were trying. No, to tank, I don't blame him. <laughs> they were trying to tank for this exact moment, and and yeah. lo and behold, they got lucky again. Juxtapose the San Antonio Spurs draft luck to the Portland Trailblazers draft luck, specifically with drafting centers. It's, it's it's pretty wild when you think about it, but we'll get to the Blazers momentarily. I want to shift gears and look at the Charlotte Hornets who have the second pick. This is where the draft really gets interesting. There's all sorts of speculation about what Charlotte may do with this pick. Some people believe they may trade it. Some people, you know, are convinced of shopping it right now. Some people believe, you know, they already have LaMelo ball running the show in the backcourt. There's two people who most prognosticators believe will be among those considered for the second pick of the draft, that being Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller, the the freshman out of Alabama, and Scoot Henderson, who was a G Leaguer. I believe he was on G League Unite, the Unite team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, G, G League Unite, yep. That's yeah, so there's right. a lot of those guys that came from the G League. Now they just skip college altogether, go to the G League for a year, and then right. they, they, they move up into the NBA draft. So, Mark. Um, Michael Jordan just sold the team <laughs> and which is good news for you. Cause you don't like Michael Jordan all that much. No, I uh, really much don't. like it's your brother. Another Jordan failure. That's all that is. Much, <laughs> I'll say much like your brother. If you have any questions about his feelings towards Michael Jordan, you can go back and listen to our last podcast. That'll be a treat for you. But <laughs> if you are now in charge, the new ownership group comes in and they say, you know, Mark Hicks, you got the job. What's the first thing you're going to do with the Hornets and the second pick? Well, they need talent, man. Hey, hey, they want they they talk about Lamelo Ball. He's actually, in my opinion, exceeded expectations for for him. As far as I'm concerned, I didn't hold I didn't hold him to the highest regard. Uh, probably because he was he was part of the Ball family, so I. <laughs> A fair, fair, unfair. I re- I really wasn't a huge fan of of Lamel coming in. He's proven to be a very good player, but that's all they have, man. And they, that team needs high end talent wherever they can get it. To me, it's absolutely dumb for them to trade the pick because they're not winning anytime soon. And even if they were to get a veteran, that's going to uh, uh um a superstar veteran. That team is new, is going nowhere, no time soon. So you might as well go young, have somebody that's gonna that's pretty much gonna grow with Lamelo and and build this team up from scratch. Because if I'm if I'm a new owner, I, I'm not dealing with any high priced veterans. I'm I'm going with you know the youth movement. I'm gonna just go ahead and cash my chips in, try to draft these kids and 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 see how that pans out. So for me in particular, I'm going Brandon Miller at the, with the second pick. Um, they need help in the front court. Um, high end talent, like I was talking about with Brandon Miller, you get you get a six nine guy, a small forward. Uh, 
go, compare and, and pair him with a six seven point guard, so to speak, you're going some places. You're starting to bi- have building blocks that you're going to have for that franchise going forward. So that's why I'm going with. I'm going with Brandon Miller at number two. Any character issue concerns for you with Brandon Miller? Um, I believe it was a few months ago that he was involved in a situation where I believe a young lady was murdered and the the shooter was connected to Brandon Miller. Brandon L- Miller allegedly dropped off the weapon that was used in the murder. And I think a woman, I think I believe it was a woman that got killed. It was, I don't know if she was a target or if she caught a stray or something like that, but I may have the story mm-hmm. a little bit off. So feel free to fact check me on it. But Character wise, where are you with him? It's always a roll of a dice with these guys, especially because the league in general is getting younger and younger. You're talking about 18, 19, 20 year old kids that are coming into the league and now having the responsibility of of being the face of a franchise. You know what I'm saying? you know, that's a lot of pressure for any kid, let alone a kid that may not have, you know, not, may not be always all the way there maturity wise. That's going to be a problem. So um, I even though that situation occurred, I'm not overly um, overly uh, ex- excited or not excited, but uh Worried about off. his position, yeah. I, I because I think, I think in his situation, I think there's a there's way there's ways around it. I just think with him, it's more of a maturity issue in the sense where he just needs to find better friends. You know what I'm saying? He just needs to be around better individuals, better people. Um, it's definitely something to raise a red flag over. It's definitely something that you need to keep an eye on. Um, I, I, it always reminds me of of when Ron Harper was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers back in the day. And the main reason people really don't understand this, but the main reason why Ron, Ron Harper was traded for Danny Ferry was because the because the owner heard about him uh, hanging around his friends that from the Miami of Ohio area that um, were, in, were involved with drugs and things of that nature, and it scared the owner. The owner wanted wanted nothing to do with him no matter how talented he was and, and you know in in retrospect that actually changed the entire course of the franchise in my opinion so i think i think with this kid i think he has a has a good enough character issue uh to the point where he i think he can he's not something that you need to be worried about but it is but this situation does cause for concern and i i would i would definitely you know have my security team go through this with a fine tooth comb with him just to see if this is, uh, you know, a one-off, a situation that's just, you know, just happened in the moment and then it will be done with it or this opens up Pandora's box for other things going on in the future. And if that's the case, um, then that's something that's somebody that I just wouldn't draft and maybe I would go in a different direction. But I mean, from a talent standpoint, I can't get no better than a Brandon Miller at number two. So. That's well, where I would go with. Well, here's the thing. Brandon Miller with the with the draft, I mean, excuse me. With the Ja Morant situation lingering, right? Yeah. This guy, Ja Morant, has been riding around on Instagram flashing guns, 
miniature guns, alleged, you know, like like alleged toy guns and, and right. bite size, cute little bite size twenty twos <laughs> or whatever that Ja had. Uh-huh. And that has gotten Ja Morant suspended for a quarter of the season already. Just two incidents like that. Brandon Miller allegedly gifted a weapon that was used in a murder. Like that is a big deal. And I don't even know where he stands from a, from a legal standpoint on all that. But I just know that that's not the kind of attention I would want for my franchise. If I was a new owner. So if I just bought this team, I think the last thing I'm probably doing is drafting Brandon Miller. You know what I mean? I think what's more likely to happen, like again, I I shouldn't say more likely to happen. If I, so we'll make this the Justin draft real quick. If I were running the Charlotte Hornets, right? And, and, and Jordan just left and the new owner put me in charge. I have to ask myself, is LaMelo, got, is LaMelo Ball the future of the franchise? Because Correct. I don't think he is. I think LaMelo turned out to be a better player than what I thought he was going to be coming in. If you go back and listen to that Mark draft from a few years ago, you know, I was not yep. high on LaMelo either coming into the NBA. I think he's proven to be a more valuable commodity on the NBA level than what I thought. However, that doesn't mean that he's the answer because he's been there for three or four years now and the franchise has gone nowhere. Correct. They've been in the bottom of the league every year since, and they've had a coach fired and everything else. Uh, so, you know, and then you still have the LeVar ball factor, which LeVar ball has fallen back considerably from, from the, the circus he was putting on before um, when his, when his sons were first coming into the league. But that's always a a a bit of a wild card that's hanging in the background that's lingering back there. And so my point is that if you have this franchise that you just purchased for what it was a three billion dollars or whatever, and right. you're gonna make the face of the franchise Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Let me make the decision that LaMelo's not part of the future, as even though he's talented. I trade LaMelo for as much as I can get for him, which he, I think he's still on a rookie contract. I think he's got talent, and so he, he's got some cachet about him. So I think he would net a pretty significant return. You strip it down, you trade LaMelo, and then you draft Scoot Henderson and make him the face of the, the franchise. Of franchise. And, you, and then you go, get, you go get whatever pieces to go with Scoot. With you know, either in free agency, and and they got the other kid Bridges has been in trouble too. Yes. So right. so you so you you know you have that situation, and he's a talented guy, but he might not even I don't know what what is up with him. He might go to prison. So you know <laughs> they they I mean for real though, like they need to seriously think about what they want their franchise to look. They're going to be the new jailblazers in a minute. They got to yeah. yeah. They got to move off these, some of these guys. Them. Yeah. And so I yeah. just think that I just think that you you know like I said you you move off. Lamelo, and you get back as much as you can, and then you tank it this year. You turn yourself into the G League Hornets for a year. Uh, you go out, and then you you score big in next year's draft. Maybe you uh, you, you take on some some expiring contracts, and you, then you get a free agent in there, something like that. I just think that making the cornerstones of your franchise, Lamelo and Brandon Miller, is very dicey, especially for a new ownership group. That's my point. Um, you got a good point there, and and quite honestly, if they went that route, I wouldn't be mad at them because uh, I mean, you're either going to go one or two routes. You're either going to go to youth movement or with what you have, or you're just going to blow everything up and start over. And blowing it up and starting over may not necessarily be a bad thing because what because once you trade Lamelo Ball, that that pretty much is letting you know you you're starting over from scratch. 
get all of the bad the the bad uh uh people out of your building start over and and build from there and if that's if that if they actually did something like that then school henderson would be the, the selection for me in in my opinion because that he 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 has a good character and he has the ability to put you know put butts in the seats and i think it will help that franchise going forward so um, that's that's not a bad alternative if they decide to go that route. And by the way, the one thing I would th- throw in there is that philosophically, I'm kind of on board with you in that if if given the choice between an elite wing and an elite guard, I'm taking the elite wing every single time. So Brandon okay. Miller being an elite player at 6'9", coming out of college, sounds way more promising to me than Scoot Henderson not not and I'm not talking about them as players or individuals I'm talking about their profile right correct the profile of Scoot Henderson who is a hyper athletic 19 year old guy that's 6 foot 2 I mean what is that that's like Derrick Rose basically you know correct. what I mean or Russell Westbrook or even a Colin Sexton even who right. you love coming out and I, and I was a fan of as well but like those guys to have one of those guys be your franchise changer I just think that those guys are more easy to find. Let's just put it that way. So the likelihood of you finding a a Brandon Miller type is less likely than it is finding a Scoot Henderson type in the next draft. So unless, unless you and your scouting department and your front office is of the belief that Scoot Henderson is a generational player that is on the level of a Derrick Rose or a Ja Morant or a Russell Westbrook or something like that. I'll I'll take my chances trying to find one in next year's draft because we see what these wings like Jalen Brown is about to get on the open market, you know, when he is free agency and stuff like that. These these six, eight, six, nine guys that can defend and and hit threes and stuff, they're invaluable. So let's go to Portland real quick, Mark. I assume Scoot Henderson's the pick here in spite of the fact that Dame Lillard's still there and Anthony Simons is there and Shaden Sharp is coming on. So what is Portland doing then with that pick? They, maybe they make the pick for Scoot Henderson, but then what what would Dame? So here's my here's my thing. I personally think, and this is just my opinion, um, that you take care of the people who are loyal to you. And in Dame's case, Dame as as all along went through went through a number of different changes throughout that franchise, and has still weathered the storm and still wants to remain in Portland for whatever reason. I mean, I, I personally would have probably threw in the chips when they went to the youth movement a couple of years ago. But, you know, it just shows how loyal he is to the franchise and the fact that he, and maybe it's an underlying thing that maybe he really doesn't like change all that much. And that's a possibility too. But um, I think with, with Portland, I think Portland is better served in this case and not necessarily them, but the team that is I'm going to talk about next, the team that's after them, which is the Houston Rockets. I think the Houston Rockets really like Scoot Henderson, and I think they really want to make a deal for him. So I have them trading, moving up one spot with Portland and flip-flopping, and Houston in that third spot will take Scoot Henderson, and Portland will then drop to the fourth spot. And the reason why I, I really feel that that School Henderson, I think School Henderson, his game, his flash, and especially the the the, the wings that they have uh, down in uh, in Houston with um, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and 
with Jalen Green and all these other guys is there. I think that the one thing that they're meet, they're missing is a is an actual playmaker at point guard, and I think that Scoot Henderson will really help bring that together. So that I have a, have them uh, Portland trading with Houston, and then Houston taking Scoot Henderson at number three. That, that's that's a bit of a blockbuster there, and obviously that's contingent upon Houston believing that Portland would hypothetically take. Scoot at the number three spot. I mean, I actually, for the record, I think Scoot's probably going to end up going number two. But, you know, be that as it may, just it, it, for, for Mark draft purposes, uh, the flip-flop between the Rockets and Blazers, is there is there anything of significance you would have in that mock trade, in that Mark trade, going, going um, back to, to Portland? Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think more, but more down the road because I, I think while Scoot Henderson is the likely choice with the third spot, no matter who's there, um, I think Portland really wants to, wants to protect Dame. And I think he wants him to, they want him to be there during this, during this movement. I think they believe, I don't know if this is possible or not, but I think that they believe that they can get back to relevance. By just going through the youth movement in in this draft and in, in these uh, last couple of drafts, and then combining free agency, if they're able to get these mid level type of uh, free agents to build the roster enough to uh, to make one last run with Dame, and then when Dame leaves, you have a youth movement of Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp and whoever they draft next, and all these other do- different building blocks. To help build towards the future, so they can try to be competitive now, and also build themselves up for the future. Because by the time they decide, if they keep Dame here at least for another year or maybe two, by the time Dame is gone, these young guys will be able to take over. They will actually be well invested into the league at that point, and then they can start building their own legacy with the with the young crew that they have, and then going forward. So that. Uh, I don't have particular players in mind. I think for the most part, it will probably be a lot of uh, probably draft capital um, that's involved with uh, with this deal because uh, I don't think Portland wants to get too much younger, at least right now. Because after this draft, you know, you talk about three guys that's all within the 20 to 20, 20 to 21 year, 21, 22 year old range. So, you know, you, you don't want to have a whole roster full of, of, of really young guys. But at the same time, you still want to have some type of a youth movement that, that you can blend with some of your veterans and keep them relevant now. And then as they get older and get more experience into the future, they can take over your franchise going forward. With, well, I, I believe Houston, let me think. So the Rockets should have a, a pretty if I'm not mistaken, a decent surplus of picks that they received from Brooklyn in the James Harden trade. I Harden trade. So they would have the capital maybe to make this type of move. Um, the Rockets being the team in the NBA that I just loathe <laughs> and despise <laughs> the most. I just cannot stand the Houston Rockets. But uh, sorry, Rockets fans. I'm just saying it's just the truth. So I mean, moving up to three to take Scoot. I mean, that's that's a it's a ballsy move. I'm trying to think like what what their roster would look like. I mean, they don't. 
I don't know. Jalen Green feels like he wants to be the man there. And there's also been all this wild speculation that James Harden is going to return to Houston. So if that actually happens, maybe that's posturing or whatever on Harden's part. He's just trying to angle for a better contract extension with Philadelphia. But that's what I believe. But if he does happen to go back to Houston and you know he's going to need the ball in his hand all the time, then a yeah. deal for Scoot would not make a ton of sense. So it really just no, depends it on what where Houston's looking to go. Um, I I mean, with with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter as, as kind of a pseudo-foundation, I don't know where they're going to go with that, although I think those guys are both talented. Ime Udoka is now the coach in Houston, so he's going to be tasked with whipping these dudes into shape um, and he has a lot of motivation to do that coming off of what was, let's just say, a scandalous exit from Boston. Right. Scoot Henderson seems like, by all accounts, a tremendous player, athlete, character guy. He seems to have all the, the makings of somebody who's what you would want in a cornerstone of a franchise. Uh, he's supposedly... I've been. I've heard that he would be the hypothetical number one pick in next year's draft and the following draft, and that ordinarily he'd be the number one player in any draft except for this Wembenyama guy. Who <laughs> exactly? <laughs> My concern. I'll go back to it again. He only shot twenty seven percent from three last year, which there yeah. was a time in the history of this podcast where I believed that it was almost unfair to criticize guys coming into the league who could not shoot. But those days are gone. Correct. Those days are gone. Yep. You have to be able to shoot immediately, pretty much upon entry into the league to be a difference maker right away and shoot from the perimeter, that is. And so, I mean, not to say that guys can't get better at it, but like, yeah, we know you have access to 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 things that they we never did when we were in high school. Well, it's not just like that. that. It's just it's just the focus of the game has changed, and shooting has become yeah. such a big part of it. And so, if you're hitting twenty seven percent at the G League level, I'm not expecting you to come in and space the floor for my for my team going forward here. So, you know, at least not in the immediate you know future. So, um, and then I just I'm just of the belief that you can maybe not find other Scoot Hendersons, but you can find other really good point guards through the draft more easily year after year than you can wings and bigs. And so um, I, I would agree with you. The only, the only difference is why I have to go into Houston is because with that being said, because I thought all about that, especially his, 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 his uh, shooting percentage from three, but, but I think he's well suited in a place like Houston because he doesn't have to be the man. You know what I mean? When you got when you got Jalen Green, when you got Kevin Porter, when you got other pieces there, you just have to be the guy who can facilitate the offense at least early on. And as his shot develops, in he actually allows him to have time to develop his shot and things of that nature. But in the meantime, he could be just a a game manager, a a ball distributor, and just get guys in flow of the offense. And get those guys in in places and uh, the ball in places where they can be successful. Well, at it's least been, early on, the first half of the year, I think that's where he can find his niche. It's been covered on this podcast. It's been well documented that I'm of the philosophical belief that if your number one scoring option is a shoot first point guard, you're not winning anything. You're not. And like the lone exception to that in recent times is Steph Curry, and Steph Curry was not. That like Steph, Steph was so much more than he's basically a two guard who just happens to be the size of a point guard. So 
these but these guys are that run point that are also the number one scoring option and they're super athletic but they're not great shooters. Those guys don't win a ton of games. And so if Scoot's going to be your best player, like you're not going to go very far ultimately, I don't believe. And that's not a knock on Scoot. He's a tremendous player, but I'm just saying. Um, now, if the Blazers are going to make any sort of deal on draft night, I think it ought to involve Dame Lillard. Um, I would go the direction of just moving off Dame altogether and just do him and yourself a favor and just move on. Just cut the cord. It's been a great run. He's a shoot first point guard and he can really shoot and he's a shoot first point guard and he ain't won nothing there. No. Um, now it's not necessarily his fault, but I do believe as I've covered on this po- uh, website and platform in the past that Dame gets a pass on a lot of that stuff because he is likable and people, likeable. They, they like his, they like his rapping. They like his personality. They like his game. They like that. He shows up for work every day. And so for those reasons, they don't look at the fact that he hasn't really won anything as a knock against him. And so I think he gets a free pass almost to an unfair degree for those reasons. Having said all that, if if I was running the Blazers, I would be looking to move off Dame and get the haul that I can get back from. As a matter of fact, his contract coming up the next couple of years, $45 million this upcoming season and $48 million the following season when in which he'll be 34 years old. So, um, wow. so Mark, so that means you have the Blazers dropping down to four. So what is their pick then? So for the Blazers, they need uh instant impact players, I would assume. Um, just from their roster from just their roster and way it stand right now. Regardless if they keep Dame or not, which I, I mean you make a strong case for them to move on from Dame. I I, I can see why you want to do it. I mean they broke up the the uh Dame and CJ band early, you know already. There's really nothing really to, for them to hold on to with Dame. I, I'm just a big, you know, loyalty buff. And I think from, and like you said, uh, he is a likable guy. Regardless, if they, they keep Dame and they try to make a run with this, with this roster, with this roster the way it is, um, they need help in the, um, in the wing position, I believe. I mean, they got, they have Shane Sharp and they have point guards who are like six, seven and stuff like that. But, um, to me, they need a real true small forward on that roster. And for me, if I if I'm them, if I'm dropping one spot, I'm looking at Cam Whitmore from Villanova um, to uh, to take that raw at the at the three, and hopefully build uh, uh, build some cornerstones that's going forward. So even if that have if I trade Dame away, I still have Anthony Simons. I still have Shaden Sharp. I have Cam Whitmore. I have a bunch of guys there. Plus whatever draft capital in the hall that I'm getting for Dane, uh, to to really build up the rest of my roster. So you know that's where I would go with if I was if I was a Portland Trailblazers, especially at four. Cam Whitmore is a freshman who I don't believe has turned 19 yet. Um, or if he did, he just turned 19. He just turned, I, I think he, I want to say just turned 19, like literally just turned 19. Okay. And he is a, a freshman from Villanova. That profile alone signifies success <laughs> in the NBA. I mean, if you just look at these Villanova guys from yep. Jalen Brunson to Mikhail Bridges to, uh, even role guys like Dante DiVincenzo, these guys are right. typically productive NBA players, right? And usually, right out the gate, too, which which is 
which goes back to their to their coaching staff. They really develop these kids uh, despite the short time that they have them, and they end up being very good uh, good players in the NBA. May may not necessarily be stars, but they are very good, de- uh, very good, solid NBA players going forward. So. I have a feeling that Cam Whitmore is just goes in the long line of Villanova players that end up being uh, pretty good to decent in the NBA. So, and he's six seven two thirty at nineteen years of age. Come on, man! I mean, you, you just got nothing but the ability to build off of that kid. Yeah that that's actually that's actually reminiscent of Paolo. Bancaro, I feel like, mm-hmm. who was just an enormous <laughs> rookie coming out of last year's draft. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right. That guy, and, and so it's, again, like you said, that size—that's something that you can't really, you can't really teach. You pair that with Shaden Sharp, who's six five, who's got okay size as a two guard. Yep. I mean, I think it's got it shows some some promise. I I just don't know. Again, how far that team is going with Dame Lillard and some kids. Like Dame is on record making it known that he doesn't really want to wait around for another rebuild, and he's over here batting eyes at the Miami Heat and the the Brooklyn Nets. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's done this. He's gone on interviews and podcasts, and he's talking about places where he'd like to go. Yeah, he's been loyal. I don't know how loyal he is right at the moment. Like it doesn't seem like he's super loyal <laughs> at, at this exact moment. You know, so why not? Be like, okay, Dame, we'll do you a favor. We'll 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 ship you off to someplace else, you know, and just let him go to the Eastern Conference, and then we can stop judging him and handling him with kid gloves just because he's likable. You know, he'll actually have to make it happen in the postseason for a change. I don't know. Uh, so, Cam Whitmore four, the Detroit Pistons, the sad sack Pistons, are drafting fifth. Man, I I feel bad for them and their fans a little bit, even though we have a friendly rivalry with them in Ohio. You know, I got I got buddies who are Pistons fans. You know, I was talking to a guy who was a Pistons fan over a year ago about Wimbenyama, and they were talking about how they were they couldn't wait to tank for this dude, and it was they pushed all the chips in the table for 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 Big Vic, man, and and Wimby just didn't fall their way, and in fact, Detroit fell all the way to fifth. So uh, yep. they had the worst record, I believe, in the league last year at sixteen and sixty five, and for their troubles, they didn't even get a top four pick. That Correct. is a brutal loss. They shut down. Uh, what's your boy? Who was the pick there? Can't Cade Cunningham? Uh, they shut Cade down. Cunningham. Cade, they shut down Cade Cunningham for the whole season, pretty much. Much like the Spurs yeah. did when they traded Dejounte Murray, it was clear what their motives were. They shut down uh, Cade Cunningham. He didn't have to be shut down the entire year, but they did it anyways. It got him the fifth pick, man. So, what's their fate here? At five, with by the way, to kind of take the attention off the fact that they botched it in the lottery, they went ahead and signed Monty Williams to the richest contract ever in the NBA for a head coach. Yeah. What so, a joke of a franchise, man! Well, who are they picking yeah. though? They got you in charge now, so who are they picking? Yeah, well, they need they need talent. Um, I I mean I would say they probably more than anything for Detroit. It's just besides just talent, they they need athleticism. I mean, they. I look at that roster, man, and there's nothing that excites me about 
any of those dudes, including Kay Cunningham. I'm just, I'm just not a fan of 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 what they're whatever direction they be, they're trying to build there. Um, quite honestly, you mean I can't they, interest they, you they, in some they, Killian Hayes, <laughs> some Marvin Bagley? No, I don't think so, man. Some RJ Hampton. Oh yeah, if they were the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth guys on the roster, absolutely. How about Rodney but... Magruder? No. <laughs> how about no, how I... about James Wiseman? Oh, I forgot. How about on that. how about Beef Stew? Isaiah Stewart. Oh, Jesus, that team is horrible, man. Yeah, I think you talk. You want to talk about blowing it up and starting over again, like you was talking about with Charlotte? I, I would not. I would not hesitate to blow that whole. Ain't nothing to blow up, Mark. Up and just blow up it. what? Just get rid of all of them. I, I just don't. I mean, quite honestly, they're better off as you know, just grabbing you know the uh, the the, the Canton charge and bringing them up to the NBA and, and playing those guys. Okay, that's being a little harsh. That's roster. a little harsh. That's yeah, not that saying, bad. man. That team is not good. <laughs> Just that team is not good. Man. They're not. They're not and, good and at they're, basketball. They're, a, they're an absolute joke, man. And there's no. And there's no. There's no future in it. So for me, I'm. I'm looking at it from the eyes of starting over. I'm just going to start. You know, using this as a buy one get one free sale. You know, you get you get one player in Detroit, you get another one free. It's just that's just the way it is right now. So for me, um, I will start over, and I, I'm going a. a, a a unique route, but I'm going to go with one of the Thompson twins. Okay. Um, I'm going with uh, Eamon Thompson. The uh, he's a combo guard, but he's six seven two fifteen, and I think you start off you start a build block with him. Um, or if there's anything salvage, salvageable, excuse me, that's left on that roster, um, maybe James Wiseman. I don't know. Who, I mean, who who knows at this point? I mean, he's been such a disappointment. Um, but I would look at you know starting my franchise with a with a kid like him because I think he has a good head on his shoulders. He's a very athletic player. With both him and his brother are very athletic, so you really can't go wrong with either. I just think because of his playmaking ability, I think Amos is a little bit better than his brother. So that's where I would go with at number five. I would go Amos Thompson uh, from uh, OT Elite as uh, the six seven two two fifteen guard uh, with for the Detroit Pistons. That's where I would go with. Okay, all jokes aside, even I don't think the Pistons are as bad as you do. I mean, I, I think they. I mean, just because if there's any hope for the Pistons, is that all they do? All those dudes, Killian Hayes and and uh, Jay Nivey and Cade Cunningham, and even the the reclamation projects like James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley. All those dudes are 24, 24 years old and younger. Uh, the other big man that they drafted last year. Uh, all those Jaden Duran, all those dudes are like 24 and younger. So if there's any hope for them, it's that these guys are just really young and hopefully for their sake, Monty Williams can whip in the sh- whip them in the shape. Um, as far as Eamon Thompson Jay goes, and Wiseman only look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to keep long term. That's just me though. Well, I mean, Cade is good. Cade, I just don't know that Cade, I mean, some people believe Cade still should have gone number one over Evan Mobley and, you know, the other guys in that draft, Franz Wagner and, and, Josh Gideon and those guys. I don't personally believe that, but some people still believe that. Right. Um, Eamon Thompson, uh, this is him, he and his brother are, are 
obviously being twins, they're, they're very similar. They have similar size. I think they have kind of similar games. Um, it does appear that Eamon is a little bit more creative and Asur Thompson is a bit more of a defender by trade. But, yeah. you know, I, I agree. They both have promise. Um, and so hopefully they can help lift Detroit out of whatever crap hole of a franchise they've been <laughs> since, I don't know, since since before Stanley Johnson tried to pick a fight with LeBron in the first round. Yeah. Um, Orlando picked six. Moving, moving right along. Orlando had Paolo last year, number one, rookie of the year, runaway. Uh, they also have the Wagner brothers, as we talked about. Uh, Suggs from the Gonz- from Gonzaga from a couple of drafts ago. Um, still have Cole Anthony in the backcourt. Uh, they're still. It feels like they've been holding on to these young big guys for forever. That they're just hopeful, like uh, Jonathan Isaac, that they're, they're going to turn into something they never do. They finally got rid of, got rid of Mo Bamba last year, traded him to the Lakers. Uh, so, what direction should Orlando go? When are they going to make the turn? Well, to maybe trade for a veteran or something. I don't know. They they could I think for this for this particular uh, where they are in the draft I think um, the fact that they're able to get the other Thompson twin um, a, a sore Thompson that's why I would take if I was them I I'll actually be excited if he was to fall into my lap at six um, and you know Orlando needs backcourt scoring a lot of their guys. You know, you got Paolo, and they, they, I mean, he's he's been phenomenal as as a player, but you know, they they have very little coming out of the backcourt for them. So, I mean, for him, if you get a two guard like an Asore Thompson, I, I would be okay with that, and I think that would be something, and especially with his defensive uh, ability as well, I think that will bode well for some for um, Orlando. You get in a you get a six seven seven guy. Who's not only a, a scorer and who's athletic, but also is a is a pretty good defender as well. So I think that's a, a good building block for them uh, going forward with Paolo. So that's why I would go with if I were them. They do have Markel Fultz in the backcourt, who's performed well since he's gotten down there. Had some injury issues though. Um, you know, it, it it makes sense for them to to get another wing. I think it can't possibly hurt. I just think they're you know all these young teams, man. They all are in the same boat in that they're trying to figure out if their young guys have superstar potential, and then at what point do they turn the corner? At what point do right. they throw in the towel on some of these young assets, but they do so in an effort to get that high-level veteran impact player on the squad? And maybe that's a Dame Lillard. Maybe Dame Lillard's a little too rich for Orlando's blood, and I'm not saying that Orlando's in the running for Dame. I'm just saying... You know, there's there's veterans to be had out there potentially that that you know you have to, if you're Orlando you got to take a look at this thing and say okay you know maybe the East is more open than we think we really like our foundation with the Wagner kids and Paolo and you know and maybe we bring in the Thompson twin and okay but what where does that get us ultimately when are we going to get some veteran leadership in here that's going to help us win games because veterans win games it's not kids kids with talent don't win games at the NBA level they just don't we know this. So if uh, sooner or later, if you're going to look to get to the next level, you need to start winning games. You need to get into the playoffs. And then that will ultimately elevate Paolo and company to the next level is them getting in the playoffs and having that type of, uh, that type of challenge and that type of action. Uh, so you, you don't have a Jared Allen situation on your hands where you're talking about the lights being too bright for you. Oh, good Lord. We don't need you saying that after the playoffs have concluded Jared Allen in which you stunk. 
Okay, we don't need that. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to hear that from Northeast Ohio. So, not at all. But but you know what? He's not the only one that stunk. So did all of his teammates. So yeah, it's you know. But that's the point, though. You get in, you get that experience. You know, I said to you, the I think I said to you in our family group chat, chat the other day that had the Cavaliers won the playing game against the Atlanta Hawks last year and made the playoffs and got stomped as the eighth seed last year, they probably would not have looked so pitiful against the Knicks this year. Even I with agree. Donovan Mitchell in, they, they would have had that taste of the playoffs, what a seven-game series is like. If they would have got stomped in the first round last year, they would not have gotten stomped by the Knicks in the first round this year. They might not have won, but they, they wouldn't have looked as bad as they did. Um, so moving along. So again, you get a Thompson twin going to Orlando. Next, we have uh, the Pacers. What do you have the Pacers doing right now? Speaking of a team that nobody's thinking about, the Indiana Pacers would be one of them. Uh, yeah. They, they, they kind of low-key struck gold with uh, the trade for Tyrese Halliburton. So they kind of struck gold with him. But with Halliburton as kind of your lead guy, I guess, what's the next move? Next move for them, their biggest glaring weakness is power forward, the four spot. Um, for me at this point, the best four that's available for them right now is Jairus Walker from Houston. Uh, he's... He's a little undersized. He's 6'8". He's 240, but he's a, a a very solid solid basketball player, and I think he will help out um, the Indiana Pacers, in particular with front court scoring, a little bit of defense. He, he'll he'll uh, he'll assist when when needed, and I think he he could be a, a eventual cornerstone cornerstone, excuse me, for that franchise going forward. So that's who I would pick, Jarris Walker. Um. So what's funny about him is that I've seen some comps for him and, you know, comps, you take them as what they are. They're not necessarily the end all be all of anything. As but, long as uh, Jalen Rose isn't, isn't doing the comps, I, I'm okay. Well, yeah, well, all Jalen Rose <laughs> was doing was comparing kids to guys that people had heard of that were like, you know, like casual fans. And so right. everybody was compared to Magic Johnson and Oscar Robertson <laughs> and John Stockton. And it's like, no, okay. But uh, yeah, the Pacers don't really have a whole hell of a lot on their roster to be super duper excited about, with the exception really of Ben Matherin from last year's draft, who had a solid rookie season, and the aforementioned Tyrese Halliburton. Um, they still got some guys that you know, Buddy Heald is good. Chris Darte had a decent year a few years ago, but um, they're just kind of in no man's land. I feel like, and so this dude's comp. Jarris Walker, one I've seen him compared to Carl Landry. That's not what I'm looking for in the second pick of the draft. Is is Carl Landry? I'm no knock on Carl Landry. He was a solid player for a long time. But the thing is, the thing with the draft, I think I say this every year on the Mark Draft, is that you you have teams that are you know everybody wants a super duper star, and it just doesn't work that way. Like chances are, if you're picking like seventh, your goal is to get like a starter. Or like a right. rotation play, like a top seven guy for years to come. That's kind of what the bar should be. So maybe Jared Walker can be that. It sounds like I'm dismissive of him, and that's not my intent. It's just funny seeing those comps um, with him. But I mean, a six seven guy. You know, again, not a particularly great shooter, uh, not a particularly great rebounder. You know, so if you're if you're labeling him as a power forward, like I'm not sure what kind of power forward he's going to be. He's not really spacing the floor. He's not really going to lead rebounder. It doesn't appear. Um, 
But who knows? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, I think so. Some I think some people have the ability. Just their their games are not really good for college, but it may be uh, may translate better in a pro game. Uh, I, I have I just have a sneaky suspicion that Walker's game is one of those one of those type of players where it's it doesn't look very it doesn't look outstanding in college, but you get him to the pro game, and I think his 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 game is more suited for the pro. So. May I mean I could be dead wrong with this, but I, I just think that that's probably where the direction is is going for his game uh, going forward, and I think Indiana could could benefit from that. The Wizards of Washington pick eighth. I feel like they <laughs> they pick eighth every year. Um, I yeah, feel like for a long time that was Sacramento that picked eighth every year, and now I feel like it, they've handed that baton off to the to the Washington Wizards. Don't call us the bullets. Um, <laughs> the Wizards. Should I don't know what they're doing, man. They just traded Bradley Beal, who I'm not really mad that they traded him for Bradley Beal. I am a little bit mad at who they traded Bradley Beal for and and for how much they got back besides that, because you know Chris Paul's not going to be sticking around there in Washington, I wouldn't think. Word is nope. they're trying to expand this deal to include a third team so Chris can go to a destination that he wants to go to, so maybe he ends up in L.A. more than likely. For the right. record, I would love to see Chris either on like a Milwaukee or Boston, but I don't think that's going to happen. But because I think he wants to be close to his family in California. Getting back to the Wizards, though, what's what's their move here at eight? They don't have Bradley Beal. It sounds like they're tearing it down. They have Porzingis, they have Denny Advia, they have Corey Kispert, and a bunch of other blah. They have a bunch of blah. So yeah, you don't win with blah. Roster. <laughs> so Even what, with what Bradley Beal, that 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 team was horrible. But go go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, you you go ahead. Well, how do you fix the roster, man? Do it for us, real quick. <laughs> well, besides blowing everything up, um, you know, I, I I put down needs by and when I when I do my my bar draft, I put down needs for for each each team and the and the thing that I put down <laughs> for needs for the Washington Wizards, excuse me. I put down any and everything, so <laughs> I really can't Best go player wrong available. with whoever I pick. Yeah, BPA. That's all it is. So for me, for the for the Wizards, the BPA for me will be Anthony Black, the guard from Arkansas. Start there at this point. I mean, I mean, really, you really can't go wrong. Especially, you got rid of your best. Player. You really don't have much behind them. That whole roster is is, you know. Is 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 barely a functional roster to say the least. So I mean, I really can't hurt it by drafting uh, Anthony Black. And I think it. I think if he's what I, what I think he can be, um, he's a he's a good start to rebuild that that entire franchise. So right now they they really have nothing to build on. Well, if the, so, the one issue with that is that the Wizards took Johnny Davis. In the first round last year, he's a he's a another guard. He's a six four guard. Anthony Black is a six six guard, and Johnny Davis had a pretty how can we put this? Um, it was trash. His rookie season was trash. Mark. <laughs> he shot thirty under thirty nine percent from the floor. He averaged less right. than six points a game with one assist per game. Um, that nice. is, and he only played in twenty eight games and fifteen yep. minutes a night. You can't really have a worse rookie season than that unless you didn't play at all so and even if you didn't <laughs> you play at all not playing. well i was gonna say at least if you didn't play at all there's still some mystique about you you could still be <laughs> traded for a higher you know what i'm saying like you could get traded if you didn't play at all you could still get traded and have higher value 
having not played and played and looked like how Johnny Davis played. Okay. Like <laughs> this is kind of where we are with things. So, uh, there's a little bit of a, of a mix, uh, or, or kind of a, some redundancy, I should say with black and Davis that makes that a little bit weird. I just think that Washington, if they're, if they're angling to get rid of black Bradley Beal, then they need to replace him with a, a high end score or somebody with some potential to be a high end score at the next level. Um, I think Black is more of a traditional playmaker. I don't know who he's making plays to on this roster, <laughs> the way it's currently constituted. Like you can pass all day long, but who are you getting? Who are you getting the ball to? Um, the Utah Jazz pick ninth. This team shocked a lot of people. They they made the trade for Donovan Mitchell, and then played really well until they decided that they weren't really they didn't really want to play well. So Danny Ainge and Will Hardy left the Celtics organization, went over to Utah, and they brought. Colin Sexton and Laurie Markinen with them. And Laurie Markinen, not from Boston, from Cleveland, obviously, those two guys, but Laurie Markinen was an all-star this year. He was tremendous. And the Jazz shocked a lot of people. And I think they kind of flamed out intentionally to get into the Wemby sweepstakes to no avail. What's their move now, have, knowing that they're kind of also caught in the middle? Like at their best, they're not better than the elite West teams. And they're also not at the bottom of the league either. Yeah, they teams like Utah, teams like Indiana, those types of teams. They they're in a quandary because um, they're they're never, in my opinion, they're never going to be good enough to warrant any type of free agent, uh, any any big time free agents to come there. The, the they're to a similar degree, uh, degree like the Cavs were in in that purgatory stage where they either have to draft well. Or they have to do some a miraculous trades to get players to come to their to their building because John Stockton and Carmelo ain't walking through that door. If they are, they buying a ticket. You know what I'm saying? So at this point, with them, um, they have a ton of picks. My opinion is they probably will not use probably a third of those picks that they they receive. You know all all the stuff from the Rudy Gobert trade, the Donovan Mitchell trade, and all these, all these drafts going forward, I, I just don't see them just having this youth movement and drafting all these rookies. But I think with this particular pick, because it's in the lottery, um, I think that they would be best served by drafting someone in the backcourt. Because, right, you know, Colin Sexton, as much as I love the kid, the kid gets hurt way too much. You can't count on him. As, as much as I, 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 I want to root for him, I want, want him to be successful, you can't count on him, so you're going to need some backcourt help if you're the Utah Jazz, at least to start out with. So I'm going Jordan Hawkins, the uh, guard from Connecticut. Um, and, and if for nothing else, um, if he doesn't become a high-end starter that you want to have, if you draft in somebody in the lottery, um, but at least he could be a, a, a sixth, seventh man, a, a top rotational guy for you. Uh, almost like a another Jordan, a Jordan Clarkson. Um, maybe he fills that role at going forward with the Jazz. Who knows? But that's who I would go with if I if I were the Jazz at number nine. Jordan Hawkins is an interesting choice. So he's the kid out of UConn. Um, I haven't no, again. We know mocks aren't much of anything. We we know this. That's why we do the mock draft. However. For what it's worth, I haven't seen him mocked much higher than the late teens. 
You know what I'm saying? I, I've seen him mocked as high as maybe 17 in that range. So for him to go, uh, what you're saying at number nine is a bold move. So you must be really in on this kid. Um, he, he seems to be, he seems to fit the prototype of being a great shooter and having willing, winning qualities coming from a winning program, having just won a national championship with UConn. So that much makes sense. My only issue with Utah for a landing spot for Jordan Hawkins is there's again, the redundancy piece with Ochai Abaji who kind of fits the same mold of a six foot four, three point shooter coming off of a national champion the year prior. So again, but they, I mean, they have Walker Kessler. So the center situation is locked up. They have marketing for now. They may end up moving him or whatever, but the forward position is kind of secure. Colin Sexton's still there. Jordan Clarkson's still going to get a lot of minutes. Uh, Abaji's new, but he's still trying to find his way in the rotation. I don't know. I guess you, you can never have too many shooters, right? So I'm not knocking it. I'm just, again, just kind of pointing out that, you know, it'd just be interesting to see how that how that fit would play out if he were to go that high. Um, I thought Abaji had right. a decent rookie season, honestly. I mean, he I shot... Agree. I mean, he showed some flashes late in the year where it looks like he may may be something. I mean, he shot 35% from three for the year. Um, so, I mean, th- there's signs there. there. There's a little flashes there with Jordan Hawkins. So, uh, so the 10th pick is the Dallas Mavericks. And we saw this team um, tank, like, in a, in a really blatant way to just ensure that they maintain this 10th pick. Um, and they still have Kyrie Irving. Well, I guess technically Kyrie's a free agent, but they would probably, it would behoove them not to let him walk for nothing, just like they did with uh, Jalen Brunson. They let Jalen Brunson walk for nothing. and They got nothing back. So they can't lose the asset for nothing. So they're going to probably try to bring Kyrie back. It's in their best interest to do so, even if he doesn't stay there for the long haul. So what's the Dallas Mavericks move here? They probably need some front court help. Yes, they need. And and, and living here in in Texas, I, I see the Dallas Maverick games a lot. I actually saw Dallas Dallas in person play the Cavs last December, and I I can tell you this unequivocally from all the games that I've watched. Dallas Mavericks are never going to be taken with any any uh, seriousness until they start defending. They need defenders, and they need a lot of them, particularly starting in the front court. When you have your you, – we have a center in Christian Wood, for example, who is shooting threes, not necessarily rebounding, and their whole entire front court lacks any type of toughness. Um, you got some problems. So, uh, for me, um, you need defenders. You need guys who who can who can fill up, who can uh, assist with filling up, uh, stretching the floor and filling up from the outside, uh, doing the little things. Uh, for me, Taylor Hendricks from Central Florida is the guy that I would be looking for if I was Dallas. You definitely looking for front court help. Um, you got to put up. You can't go ahead and trade. Or bringing a Kyrie Irving and then you let him walk for nothing, just like you said what they did with Brunson. They, they, I think they undervalue Brunson, and most importantly, what his value was to to Dallas with Luca. And I think that 
that ultimately stifled the Mavericks season. And I think in, in particular now going forward, you got to put all your chips in the table. You got to bring Kyrie back. You got to, you know, uh, help, uh, help him with, uh, mesh with Luca. And most importantly, um, use this 10th pick to get somebody who's going to be a very decent player for them. Um, and so let's start with Taylor Hendricks. You need front court help. Let's go with him. Taylor Hendricks is a dude that seems to fit the profile of what you would want out of a player. Um, you know, I, I've seen him in in certain big boards. He's he's a top ten guy. You know, even potentially even higher than that. Um, I just think that at that size, at six seven, and excuse me, six nine. Even I think he's even bigger than is he six nine, Mark. Yeah, I have him at six nine, six eight, six nine. He he's he's slightly he's a slight build. He's two hundred ten pounds listed, um, so he definitely has room to build on his frame. But I I think uh, I think he has you know decent enough size to 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 get the job done. If he was shorter than six nine. I would I would be scared of him. Um, but I think I think at six nine, I think he could he could uh fit the build uh fine uh for their front court going forward. So my, my thing is that like they've been rumored to be trading Tim Hardaway Jr. for forever. So if they're going to, if they're, I mean yeah. like literally since the, since the dawn of man, they've been talking about trading Tim Hardaway yeah. Jr. So if, if they're going to, Tim Hardaway Sr. was playing. Exactly. They knew coming out the womb, like, okay, we're going to get this kid one day and we're going to trade him. Like, is this, this is going to happen. So if, if they in fact do that, um, I'm of the belief that, they they're gonna need somebody who can shoot the ball to play off Luca a little bit. Um, not that you know if Kyrie's there, there's not gonna need a, a ton more shots going around. But I do think it's it suits them well to have another threat out there to take some pressure off Luka Doncic. And Hendricks has you know he shot just under forty percent from three last year. He's only a freshman. He's just nineteen years old, but he still put up fifteen points a game in Division One. He can shoot. He can defend. I mean, and he averaged seven boards a game, and he's got great size. So, again, this is the type of dude that I could certainly see flourishing in the NBA at this stage based on, based on what he brings to the table and going even much higher than 10th. Um, I mean, if he went 7th to Indiana, yeah, like I, I think if he went to the Wizards at 8, like I think I definitely could see that being a home for Taylor Hendricks. Orlando has another pick at eleven. There's been speculation that they might try to package these two picks together and and roll up uh, to go even higher or something like that. I don't know, but I don't, I don't think you can have that in the cards for them. So if they're going to take two more rookies, you already have them down for Astor Thompson at the sixth spot. So what's their move at eleven? So this is this is the this is. This is the issue where I'm looking at. I'm, I would definitely explore trading this pick if I were Orlando. Um, but let's just say, for example, for whatever reason, they're stuck there. They can't get rid of the pick, um, and they and they need to select a player. Um, they're going to need help back with uh, backcourt scoring. Um, uh, it, it, even though they they grab one uh, uh, one of the Thompson twins, they still need more. More assistance in the backcourt, more so than the frontcourt. For me, uh, in particular, now whether this guy becomes the eventual starter or 
um, someone who, who will back up a uh, uh, Markel Fultz. Um, I'm looking at Carson Wallace, the point guard from Kentucky, and I would I would have him back there because they re- he's relatively like the, pretty much the same size as a Markel Fultz, um, but he's but he's younger. Um, and then you put him, let's say for example, with with uh, Tom with, uh, with one of the Thompson twins, you have your backcourt going forward for the next five to seven years. And you could probably look at unloading a Markel Fultz if after maybe uh, giving him one season under his belt and 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 then that way improving your franchise. So that's why I would take power now. And, and so you're out on Jalen Suggs then? I'm, I'm done with Jalen Suggs. <laughs> I'm just, I, I am. I mean, I mean Jalen, Jalen Suggs, the, the, the only... I still... The, his only... His only mark or, or his only true, uh, I guess, shining moment, <laughs> if you want to talk about that, is back in the NCAA tournament. You know, and, and looking back on that, what that's like now, three years now? I mean, he's, I, I don't, I think, I think Jalen's, I could be dead wrong on this, but I think Jalen Suggs is who he is. I don't think he's going to get much better than what he is at this point. And so I would definitely look, um, and maybe somebody, I mean, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Maybe somebody can use him as a reclamation project and think that they could get something out of him. I, I would, I would look to, you know, to will and deal. And sometimes, and sometimes just, you know, just, just being on a team that loses all the time. I mean, that can take a lot of, I mean, you may not yeah. want to like get up and go to work and you, you may, it may stifle your game just because you're around a bunch of losers. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. So maybe that's it. Maybe he just needs a fresh environment. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I mean, eh, it, it's, it's hard to say. I just know that, that they invested a lot in Jalen Suggs. That was a top five pick. Um, yeah. I believe he went fifth. So, you he know, to, to turn around and they, they still have faults, you know, to turn around and then draft another guard I, I just think they have too many young guys like they're just gonna have they're gonna have to package some of these assets maybe take this pick like you said and then take i don't know the, the lesser of the two wagner's i think not franz but the other one maybe package yeah. those two things in like a future pick or a pick swap or something and then go get something you know something else i don't know why not why aren't they in on og ananobi or something like i don't know like why can't you why can't they take some of these assets and go find somebody like that like a that's mid-tier what I would do, to be honest guy. if i if i were them i would definitely go and and, and knock on toronto's door because i mean they're not going anywhere anytime soon either so i mean get og out you know basically out of the hostage situation that he's in right right now in toronto and and have have him be a focal point in Disneyland for him, you know, Disney World. Excuse me, <laughs> and and just start building from there. I mean that that's not a bad direction to go. I mean, I, I would definitely trade the pick if I had the opportunity, but you may not have many suitors because right now you're looking at. It, I mean, the talent talent wise, especially at this point in the draft, is very thin. So now you really have to rely on your scouting department and and really project that these these kids are going to be something for your franchise. So. Um, you know, but it's worth a try. If you could do it, do it. I would say. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder picked twelfth in the lottery, and this is a team that had kind of a strange season, also. So they had Chet Holmgren coming in last year, 
and he got hurt immediately and missed the entire season. But it kind of worked out well for them because they put them in the Wimby sweepstakes. And had they landed him, they would have had the tallest and longest team in recorded history between Chet Holmgren and Victor Wimbanyama. But as it turns out, that did not happen. So uh, they are now on the clock looking to improve this team that was surprised a lot of people because even with the Chet Holmgren injury, people thought that they weren't going to be any good. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, all of a sudden his first team All-NBA, um, shouldn't have been over Donovan Mitchell, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, he right. was first team All-NBA, and then the the rest of the team just kind of fell into place. But this team actually didn't even have a real center. Like, they had nobody playing the five. So what do you see them doing? Keeping that thing that you was talking about of having the, the, the tallest front – Tallest burnt court in uh, NBA history. Um, uh, even though they're not getting uh, Big Vic, um, I'm looking at another guy because the, one of the main problems with Oklahoma City was the fact that they don't have paint protection. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit off the uh, off the pasture and go with Derek Lively, uh, the center from Duke, um, because one thing he can do is protect the paint. And I think you put him, you bring in Chet, you know, throw him at the at, at a true stretch four type of guy. Um, you have, you know, the uh, Jalen Williams, I think they have, and they also have Shea. They, uh, all these other guys, uh, I think they, they still have Lou Dort, I think they still have him. I mean, you can really have a building block uh, a, a nice solid nucleus of, of young young talent over there in Oklahoma City. So that's why I would go with. I mean, it's not a bad pick. I think he, he kind of would serve as Chet insurance, right? So in the event right. that Chet Holmgren does not pan out and turn into the player that he's projected to be, likely due to injuries and things of this nature, um, having a guy like Derek Lively there who brings good height and, and good and a good wingspan and some shot blocking instincts, I think can really help this Oklahoma City team. Uh, we know Chet can block shots too with his size, but right. in the event that he never comes back around or his recovery pr- time is just delayed, you know, it's not a bad idea to have another dude on the team who's like over six eight. <laughs> because <laughs> other than other than Chet, I mean, like it still is pretty cool to be tall in the NBA. You yes, know, it is. I, I don't think very many people consider that all the time. But you know, uh, they aside, aside from Chet and and uh, Pokoshevsky, they don't really have anybody with any size. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not mad about that that move. They're if we're they're still a weird team, Oklahoma City are, but they're good, man. They compete. Um, you know, they they play hard. They they execute. They're just a tougher team than what most people would have projected at this point and uh so i'm sure you've watched inside the nba for years mark and they yep. at the start of every season they play one of my favorite games which is who he play for <laughs> i i i think the hip-hop sports support podcast equivalent to who he play for is who the hell is a coach <laughs> i've asked you this on many podcasts in the past on many a mark draft who the hell is a coach and now I'm gonna ask you. I have no idea. I'm not. No, I'm not even talking about Oklahoma City. Shout out to Mark Dagnall. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give him a little plug. He's been there a couple of years. Who the hell is the Toronto oh, Raptors okay. head coach, Mark? Because they picked 13. Oh, 
Yes, they, they fired do. Nick Nurse. And they, and they fired Nick Nurse. <laughs> the GOAT who, Nick who Nurse. Won, who won their only <laughs> championship in franchise history, and they let him go. Um, so who the hell is their coach now? Yeah, no God. Google. No cheating. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. I thought it was Adrian Griffin. And I'm like, wait a minute. He didn't go there, though. He went someplace else. I think, he, I think he's in Milwaukee, Adrian Griffin. Their new yep. coach is Darko Ratchevich. Ratchevich. Rajkovich, I think it is. Darko Rajkovich. Rajkovich? Something like that. Oh, my God. Um. Once he surfaces on a TV screen for the first time, I'll probably learn how to pronounce his name. Um, but this guy's basically um, in the witness protection program. Like, nobody's heard of him before. <laughs> and so now he's going to be coaching the Toronto Raptors. And now the Raptors are going to be without Fred Van Vliet. And so now the team is basically going to be Pascal Siakam for, as, for however long as they still have him. Maybe they trade him. Maybe he's a target for Orlando, something like that. Uh-huh. Or... It's Pascal Siakam, and then they have Scotty Barnes, and that's the that's the cornerstones. So, God. help Toronto out, please. Well, since they, since uh, Van Vliet's gone, as good as gone, they're gonna need a point guard. Um, uh, one thing about being down here in Texas, I get to watch a lot of uh, you know Texas basketball, and, and, and meaning the state, not necessarily the university. But uh, one uh, one university in particular is Baylor University, and they have a guard there by the name of Keontae George. I think would do very well in uh, in the sweet city of Toronto and help them re- uh, with the rebuild of their franchise. So Keontae George would be my uh, choice at number thirteen with the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I, I've. He's gotten some pretty. He's got the comps for him are, are guys that are have the potential to be explosive scorers in the league, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's that's a good thing to have alongside a guy like Scotty Barnes, for instance, who I don't think is a natural scorer. He can put points on the board, but that's not really his game per se. Not his game, yeah. So getting a young dude in there that can get some buckets makes sense to me. Um, Keontae George is a combo guard. That can pull up, hit threes. He can, he can make some, do some damage in the lane. He's still young, nineteen, a little bit raw, but you know, average fifteen a game for Baylor last year in the SEC. Uh, Baylor's in the SEC, right? I, I get so confused now. Yeah. Right, Bay- in the Baylor's Big Twelve. Big 12. They're still in the Big Twelve. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know. I don't, for I now, like <laughs> for now, right? It's basically going to be two conferences left in all sports. We know that, but yeah. um, but yeah, I just, I think, I think George might not be a bad fit there. Because uh, I mean, again, what else does Toronto really have going on at this point? Not much. No, they 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 really don't. I don't even know if they have Drake going on anymore. Like, who cares about Drake these days? <laughs> he, he been, I'm too hard he on been Drake. At his just, like, they made him ambassador, and he and he's no longer at the games. He, it it reminds me of uh, of Usher being a minority owner for the Cavs. He never showed. Yeah, let me, let's not, let's never forget never that. Saw him, saw him again, well, so. What it, what is what does an ambassador even do? Nothing. Raptors <laughs> in in the rap songs. Drake used to be rapping about Draymond, Steph, and KD in the Warriors <laughs> when he was supposedly quote unquote the ambassador 
for the Raptors. Whatever. Okay. So lastly, yeah. let's round out the lottery with the 14th pick, the New Orleans Hornets. So David Griffin has quite a bind on his hands with Zion Williamson. Um, there's so many Zion jokes to be made, but we're just going to try to keep this professional right now. Yeah. Uh, in spite of the fact that Zion has been anything but professional so far in his NBA career, he's extremely right. gifted, but he's had a lot of problems. Most notably, he can't get on the floor. Um, so David Griffin has to figure out what direction he wants to take with this franchise that has a ton of talent on it, but no real clear compass. So what's what's what does David Griffin do with Willie Green's team? Personally, if I were David Griffin, if I was Griff, I would try any and any any and everybody who would who even would think about wanting to trade for Zion Williamson and, and put him on the block and get get him out of get him off my franchise, man. Right now, he is such he is such a cancer. Not necessarily because of his because of his attitude. I mean, your biggest your biggest ability or your greatest ability is availability. He is never available. My uh, my son Terrell and I have, t- have talked about this with, since Zion was a sophomore in high school. I told him then that this kid, if he, this kid needs to start taking uh, his body seriously because there's no way he's going to be walking around at that weight doing what he's doing in high school, eight two games a night, and consistently trying to do this against Groman. It's just his body is not going to be able to. Hold up! Sure enough, that he 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 was going down that that pitiful route, and it ended up like derailing his career to the point where now I don't know if he's even salvageable um, at this point for for New Orleans because I honestly think I personally I don't, I don't think he wants to be there. I think he wants to go. I think quite honestly, a lot of the people in the front office want him to go because he's never there anyway. So. You know, you want to, you know, want to build around guys who want to be there. But be that as it may, if everything stays intact and Zion's still there and you're building, building with the team that's the roster that's there because they have a decent roster. Um, if I were them, they're going to need, they're going to need more shooting, volume shooting in particular, um, on that roster. Um, so for me, uh, I'm looking staying within bloodlines. Uh, NBA bloodlines, and I'm going with uh, Jet Howard, guard from Michigan. And, you know, for him, I mean, he looks like, to me, when I look at him, he looks like he's going to be a scorer in the league. Now, maybe, maybe not necessarily the most efficient score, but he's going to be a score. I think he had, his his game is going to translate and be an NBA game, uh, NBA game. So I think his his ability to do that Will will uh will be something that it'll be difficult for the uh for the New Orleans uh Pelicans to pass up at this point. So this is that's where I would go with. I would go with Jed Howard. And to be clear, that's Juwan's son, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, I I can't get mad at that pick. I think that that's a fine pick. Uh, I don't I don't really have a strong opinion on Jet Howard one way or the other, but I do know that if they decide to move Zion Williamson. They will get a haul for that young man. Uh, or at least they ought to. And this was a they team should. that with Brandon Ingram kind of running the show was like a borderline playoff team. They were like 
at the top seed in the West for like a significant chunk of the year, or, or maybe near the top of the West. Yeah, I, it just kind of fell apart for them. But I don't know. They need something else, and and they I don't know if they get rid of Zion. I don't know what is the thing that's that they need and what they're going to get back. You know what I mean? Knowing that they have a, a, yeah. a score force, a score first smallish guard and CJ McCollum still there. I feel like, I feel like they could use some firepower if, if they're going to get rid of Zion, but it's like, what, what's a fair deal for him? I mean, it's just going to be a bunch of picks. I Who balances out that no one knows what that, what that mix what's the market. Be. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I don't know, but, uh, good on jet Howard. Uh, Seems like he he could be a decent wing player in the NBA. Uh, shot it okay at Michigan. Decent size, six eight, two fifteen. Son of a former player, so, you know, son of a coach, all that stuff. So there's some some good things to be seen from that. But that's not going to be the thing that makes or breaks David Griffin's job. I think you know that it's going to be the handling of the Zion Williamson situation. And last but not least, we always like to throw it in. The Cavs don't have any picks. In the first round, they do they do pick 49th, um, but there have been reports that they may trade back into the first round as high as 23. So what what would you do if you were your boy Kobe Altman, you and Kobe yeah. collaborating together on the draft? Pick? What, are, what are you doing if you're the Cavs right now? But <laughs> you can't file. He's your boy. You can't file him. You can't hypothetically fire Kobe. But, uh, but nah, man, what do y'all do? I was like last year, you know, where he made the deal with Donovan Mitchell, which I don't care. I mean, there's been detractors on, on Twitter and Instagram, stuff like that, about this deal and say the Cavs blew it. They shouldn't have made this deal. The problem with making a deal like this is that when you make a deal for a guy of this magnitude and you give up what you gave up to get him, that means you're all in. And that means with whatever limited window that you have this have this player that means you need to make sure that you un, uh, uh, uh turn over every stone that you uh try every option to make sure that you have maximized your ability to win now they went ahead and make this deal for 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 Donovan Mitchell but at the end after that you know Kobe Altman took his victory lap and he did nothing else with this roster he just Brought everybody else back and just added Donovan Mitchell, and to me that was that was. I mean, he, he added Danny Green too. Just saying. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. Then, okay, then you get then you get a Danny Green, okay, and then you never and then then your your, your boy JB never even plays him, man. He never gets on the court on, on a team that desperately needed outside shooting for multiple reasons. You let Kevin Love go for absolutely nothing. You see what he was able to provide for the Heat, uh, even though even though there there were times where because of matchups he didn't play. But the fact that you said that this guy was washed and he couldn't help you at all, I think that was just egregious as well. So you, I mean, you pretty much have done yourself a disservice because you went ahead and you and you traded for Donovan Mitchell, but you've done nothing else towards his, towards this roster, and you had to start. Isaac Okoro at the beginning of the year uh, at your at your three. Then you had Lamar Stevens there. You had Karis LeVert there. I mean, that's been your gaping hole from the start of from whenever you made the deal 
to get Donovan Mitchell, that was still an opening and still a problem, um, which is why I had a problem with them trading Abaji at this point. I understand you got to give up assets for them, but to me, uh, a guy like Abaji would have helped them out a lot. I so, think so too. Um, they, but I but but, the, but you can't. I, I agree with you that Abaji would have been helpful, uh, and I and I wish if I could go back and do it again that they would have held on to him. However. We can't just trash Kobe Altman the whole time. I mean, Mark, I'm just saying, man. I know, yeah, I know you and Kobe I, I, got beef. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, guys, we have we have plenty. <laughs> you and Kobe Altman, y'all got beef like like Crips and Bloods. You know what I'm saying? This goes back a ways. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, like this. This I, is not new. A, I've never been a Kobe fan. Sorry, no, you have mean, not. This, the Isaac Crow <laughs> thing is just like set me over the edge with this dude, man. I just well, the, well, the Kevin Love yeah, situation was a borderline fireball offense. I don't know if I had the opportunity to say it on a podcast, but I said it on Twitter for weeks and weeks and weeks that it never made sense for the Cavaliers to get rid of Kevin Love ever. It never made no. sense. All the things that they needed, he was good at, and he had championship experience, and he was the longest tenured Cavalier. It never made any sense for him to fall out of the rotation the way that he did. Even though he wasn't playing well, he's earned the right as Kevin Love, Kevin flipping Love, he's earned the right to work himself out of a shooting funk. Okay, He can do right. that. He this can do that. He's going to have buried... his jersey hanging up in the rafters. For right. Out so to get buried in the in the rot, in the the depth chart like the way that he was never made any sense. And then the bigger issue that I had with it was that even if you come to the conclusion that removing Kevin Love from the team was the best scenario for everybody involved, you don't give him away for nothing because the asset clearly had value. There were reports all over the place that when it became clear that the Cavaliers were going to part ways with Kevin Love, that teams like the Heat and the Warriors and the Lakers were interested. And where do we find these teams? They were all making deep playoff runs. And where do we find the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals? finals. All these intelligent teams and teams that have made roster moves and have tweaked the roster and that have improved upon things and that have good scouts and, and, you know, all these things. All those teams that were competing for an NBA championship, they all wanted Kevin Love. But for some reason, the Cavaliers deemed it okay to get rid of Kevin Love for nothing. And that part of it, in addition to the fact that he brought stuff to the table that we were deficient at, was infuriating. Having said all that, Mark, having said all that, what do you do with the Cavs on draft night? Anything? Is there anything they can do on draft night to fix this? Well, the first thing I would address, because one of the things that that this draft, even though it doesn't provide a lot of star power. It does provide a, a lot of depth in certain positions. In particular, the wing position. They have a lot of different guys. A couple guys I have in mind, for example, they need to fill this, this three spot. And since and because they're not really going to go out and do a whole bunch of things free agency wise, the only way they can do this is through the draft and and you know they don't necessarily. I mean, one of the things that I love these these uh, writers and stuff for the for Cleveland, they come out and they say, "Well, the Cavs have no assets." Okay, that's fine, but you can buy a pick from a team that has multiple picks uh, for a mere you know x amount of dollars. And you know, Dan Gilbert has no problem doing that. So for me, you got to fill that three spot first. A couple guys that I like in particular. Um, Maybe not necessarily has a three position, but it, a wing position who can also help score. Um, you, you're looking at Julian uh, Strother from uh, Gonzaga, six seven guy, a small four from them. Uh, guy I like as, uh, as well, even though he's more of a guard than a, than a forward. 
uh, Jordan Miller, the, uh, the, uh, six, seven guy from Miami, uh, Keontae Johnson, uh, to a lesser, uh, to a lesser degree, the, uh, six, five guy from Kansas State. Um, those are guys I would look at in particular to try to fill that wing spot. Um, and I can say worst case scenario, okay, if they can't beat out Isaac Coral, that to me, that's a problem already. Uh, but if, uh, even if they don't, if they, if they elect to bring them around slowly, bring them off the bench, he still provides bench depth because that's the, that was the biggest and most egregious part of this entire run by the Cavs last year was the fact that Kobe Altman really never addressed that bench. That bench was absolutely despicable. So, I mean, at this point, you just, you got to upgrade this bench. Whatever, whatever you can do to upgrade the bench that you currently have, you need to do it. Because right now, they, they really don't have anything to stand on. I think the move has to be whoever they can find that has some scoring upside at the wing position. They got to, they got to have some size to them and, and they got to have a little bit of, you know, they got to be a shooter and they got to have some scoring upside. Like that's kind of, those are, those are the things that I'm, I'm looking for. Um, so I have one question for you. Yeah. What's that? Um, if you, if you were Kobe Altman, you are you picking for uh forty ninth, and this player falls to you. Would you take him? And that's Amani Bates. I would take Amani Bates. He's exactly what I just described. He's he's got good size. I, I don't know if he technically maybe is more of a guard, but um, you know, I, I'm I'm okay with them taking a swing on a guy with that type of upside. And I'm not, you know, I don't know what all there is to know about Amani Bates, but I've seen him mocked in the fifties in the draft. Right. And I don't know exactly why, but cause he was like the number one high school kid in his class, I believe. And now, you know, he went to Eastern Michigan for like a year and now all of a sudden he's going to go in the fifties. Like, I don't, I don't get yeah. that. But so if, yeah, I would absolutely roll the dice on him. That's the kind of guy I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. or, or, you know, it's funny as, you know, I see some of these guys in here. I see, um, there's a kid that went to Pepperdine named Maxwell Lewis. <laughs> I, yeah, I know exactly who he is. I mean, he averaged 17 a game, shot 35% on threes, which is decent. You know what I'm saying? And and he's been compared to Devin Vassell, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, I mean, any uh, the, the guy's got to be able to defend. I mean, he still might be not quite big enough. He's six six, but maybe they need somebody that's more of a six eight six nine mold. But they need somebody who can put some fear in a defense that you can't leave that guy open in the short corner and not worry about him and is not a complete turnstile on defense. If they, if they can find a guy like that in the second round, and I believe they can, they can find a guy like that in the second round. That needs to be what they look to do. And also I would be very open to trading Jared Allen this season. That's another story for another day. Yeah. So um, here's my, th- here's my thing about Amani base real quick. Yeah. So Amani, when when Amadi was fifteen, he was uh he was a twenty four seven sports speculated. He was the best high school prospect since LeBron, and then he was the first high school sophomore to ever win the uh the boys Gatorade National Player of the Year award. So what his what the issues were with with him was for his junior season, 
Bates then transferred to a prep school that was created by his dad. And then he opted to forego his senior year of high school to play at Memphis. And then when he got there, there was this big deal. Not only was he struggling on the court, he, he and he also suffered a back injury. He then was suspended uh, after he was arrested during the offseason. He was charged with two felonies, and, and including one of them was carrying concealed weapon. The charges were dropped, but he still was sentenced to 18 months of probation following a misdemeanor uh, drug, I mean, not drug, but gun charge. So that's where the issue was for him. And then he went to Eastern Michigan. He put a lot of, a few dominant performances together. But I think, I think if this were the Cavs three years ago, I wouldn't even entertain something like that because it would be too much of a head case. But they have enough veteran leadership there to the point where I don't think they would allow this kid to go in here and just start acting a fool. So I think the uh, the locker room would help him help him immensely because they really have a bunch of really good guys there, and they have a coach and and bigger staff that's not going to allow this kid just to just to go and act a fool. So I, I think it's quite honestly when you're picking that late in the draft anyway, you you're gonna you're not gonna get the cream of the crop guys. You're gonna get guys that have sketchy pass and question questionable character and things of that nature so you, you know you need to especially when you don't have a lot of assets you need to start making you know taking some gambles and that's, think, that's exactly uh, right what's that i said that's exactly right i agree with you yeah and, and that i mean quite honestly what have, what have they got to lose they're they're on a they're on a ticking timeline with, with donovan mitchell you gotta you gotta do something to shake things up and make a significant change this coming season. And uh, furthermore, and furthermore, it- yeah, just to add to that, I think Armani Bates has enough uh, cachet that yes. he could net something back in return in the trade. So, like, if you were the Cavs and you were looking to trade, you know, a second-round pick in, you know, Karis LeVert in a second-round pick, that package might not be as enticing, but if you'd say we're going to give you Karis LeVert and Armani Bates... Now it's like, okay, this kid, you know, has some promise about him. And sooner or later, you have to rely on your organization and your infrastructure. Like, we have the coaches in place that can get the most out of this kid. We can make it so that he's not such a selfish scorer, that he does like to pass the ball, that he can play within a system, that he knows that he's the fourth or fifth option, and that he's going to have to defer to Evan and defer to Garland and definitely definitely Donovan Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell, right? So, you know. Um, a, a guy like that who can come in and play a role and hopefully he'll be motivated because he's been humbled by the last couple of years. I think that that is um, a, a, an appealing situation for a guy with the pedigree of Amani Bates. So um, that's kind of how I see that. But as long as they can get somebody, or if not that, then another center because they desperately need a backup center because um, they don't have any other backup bigs and they let Kevin Love go for nothing. So uh, <laughs> that'll do it. Let's real recap real quick the Mark Draft 2023. Victor Wenbanyama, number one to San Antonio. Brandon Miller, number two to the Hornets. Uh, Scoot Henderson in a trade going to the Houston Rockets at three with Cam Whitmore going number four to Portland. Uh, Amen Thompson, five to Detroit. Asura Thompson, six to Orlando. Jarris Walker, seven to the Indiana Pacers. Anthony Black, eight to the Wizards. Jordan Hawkins, nine to the Jazz. Taylor Hendricks, I like Taylor. I think Taylor Hendricks might be pretty good uh, out of this class. Going 10 to the Mavericks. Carson Wiles, 11 to the Magic. Derek Lively, 12 to the Thunder. 
Keontae George, 13 to the Raptors. Jet Howard, 14 to the Pelicans. And Kobe Altman, out of a job. Mark Hicks, we thank you <laughs> once again for an electric Mark draft. We always appreciate your time, cousin. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Big time. Yep, no doubt. Thank you all for listening. You know where to find us. Please, if you find our podcast on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Google podcast anywhere i always say itunes they call it apple podcast now wherever the hell you find a podcast please like rate subscribe to podcast so we can get some more listeners so we can get some more feedback because you know we provide good content and we appreciate y'all for sticking with us through the years it's mark hicks it's jay hicks it's the mark draft got here enjoy the nba draft on thursday night peace peace